Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I am so excited today. <laughs> I have got someone that I think in my world, in my circle of friends that I sit down with and have beers with once in a while, is the king of video. I've got with me today, Mike Panaki. Mike, great to have you on today. Uh, so good to have you here. Great to be here, Damon. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's it, it's so much fun because, you know, actually you're you're a longtime friend of my wife's. You guys went to school, you know, grade school, high school, college. You know, and yeah. it's, it's good stuff. But you know, when I when we were sitting down a while ago and you were telling me about the video and the way that you were doing video training, I was like, man, we gotta we gotta talk about this. So it's it's awesome to have you on. So Mike. Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of, you know, you've been doing this training a while. I'd like to hear a little bit about that and then kind of how this really evolved. Well, I, I started, I went to Washington State University, got a degree in management information systems, became a programmer, sat at a desk. And, you know, it's funny they how things kind of line up sometimes. Uh, a group of people started a Toastmasters club there. And I, you know, I was about as afraid, afraid as anybody of getting <laughs> up in front of a group and talking. And um, I joined Toastmasters and started doing these speeches. And then I got roped into, you know, they said, hey, we're going to do this thing for United Way. Can, can you talk to a couple of people? Sure, I can do that. And like a little conference room or something. And next thing I know, it turned into Carco Theater down here in Renton. I'm talking to the entire company up with the CEO and, um, you know, my heart's beating out of my chest, but I found out, you know, I kind of liked getting up in front of a crowd. That wasn't so bad. And yeah. uh, I ended up moving and going to a company that's uh, focused on network analysis, capturing network traffic, analyzing it, and started going to trade shows and doing classes there. Uh, you know, we get 250, 400 people in one of these classes and started doing those. And from there, traveling around the country, doing training classes, teaching people how to capture packets, how to get to the root of network slowdowns. Uh, had some interesting jobs over the way. Uh, right yeah. after September 11th, a uh, group of five of us went to the Pentagon and rebuilt the networks that were wow. destroyed when the plane hit wow. the building there. And uh, troubleshot those problems and got things back up and running. So it's... Uh, in 2002, I decided to, you know, work for the worst boss in the entire world, and that's myself, yeah. and start my own company. So we're coming up yeah. on 19 years now that we've I've had network wow. protocol specialists. Wow. So I I just okay because I'm just a, a you know I'm a nerd at heart. You know this already. So that had to be something when you think about how the Pentagon was compromised. 
to rebuild the network because you don't just know where cable got frayed a little bit, where it's completely gone, where all that, it, that had to be a heck of a thing to go back in and fix. Well, it was. And, you know, like, like most organizations, uh, people tend to only document things when they really have to. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, we've really had to go back and my whole career has been reverse engineering things that, you know, people will plug things in, they'll move things around and they don't ever really document that. And then they also tend to build networks that really were never designed to be a uh, troubleshot down the road. And yeah, yeah. I kind of equate it to, you know, screwing the hood closed on your car, it, you know, they, or they put the engine in, in such a way you can't get to the spark plugs that they put these things together. They make them so convoluted that then when they break, uh, they call in trouble and say, hey, you know, we're, we're kind of screwed here. Can you help us figure this out? And we know it and we can't figure it out, but we want you to come in and figure it out for us and immediately. Wow. Well, that's crazy. That's that's crazy. But I never thought of that until you said the Pentagon about how how ugly that had to be. It just flashed in my head with, you know, mangled and this and that and stuff had to be tough. But I want to just say thanks, Kenneth. Glad to have you around today. Always good to see you when you're when you're with us. Um, and if you're listening on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook, go ahead and drop your comments in and, and uh, we, or if you got questions for Mike or I, just go ahead and drop them in the, in the comments. We'll be happy to answer. So you're hit, sitting here in 2002 and now you're, you're, you're going to start training. You're going to be training, uh, training people in network analysis and troubleshooting like you do. Um, at that time, that had to be a, you know, you were getting on a planes and going to conferences and things like that, right? Yep. In fact, the two analyzers that are sitting on the shelf up behind me, the first version of that had come out in 2000 and uh -huh. uh, networks up in Everett had released yeah. that. And I, you know, I was talking to them. We'd been doing some work with them. I said, well, you know, what are you doing for training on that? And they said, well, you know, I don't know. Do you want to put the training together for it? Uh, we're not interested in doing it internally. So I put the training together. And started going out and doing that. And what's kind of funny is I'm still doing it. This is the fourth revision of that product. And wow. you can't even buy it anymore. So they don't even sell the product anymore, but they still offer training to their customers that are paying support on it. And so I, I do four classes a year on a product that I've been teaching on for 21 years. That product wow. has gotten me to Southeast. I've been to Manila. I've been to Kuala Lumpur. I've been to Singapore. Uh, I've been to Bangkok a number of times. I've been in embassies, consulates, uh, businesses all over the world going in and doing training on that product. And it is uh, it. And so I had uh, 20 laptops. I had a few of these. I had hundreds of pounds of equipment that we were shipping all over the place. The UPS guy hated me because these cases of laptops weighed about 100 pounds each. Oh, and, wow. you know, it, it costs a lot of money. And yeah. when you look at airfare, uh, you know, airfare going up and down, rental cars, hotels, yeah. uh, a lot of money involved in going out and doing this. In addition, you know, a lot of the classes were held in hotel conference rooms. And yeah. so you've got food. Uh, yeah, I remember I did one myself down in uh, Tukwila. And I saw they were charging me $40 a gallon for coffee. 
And it's like no decaf. You know, if someone wants decaf, they can go to Starbucks and buy it yeah. themselves. <laughs> Paying 40 bucks for a gallon of decaf that nobody's going to drink. But oh. you know, you start, I guess, you know, in a lot of large companies, uh, th that kind of stuff just kind of gets rolled up with everything else. Yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of this accepted way. I go to these conference shows, you know, I've been doing Interop, uh, the trade show in Las Vegas, New York, Atlanta for the last 25 years. In fact, that was really where I got my start is I went to uh, their show in Atlanta in 95 and became wow. hooked on protocol analysis. But what we pay, you know, you go to get an extension cord put in and, you know, you've got to pay an electrician you yep. know, $80 an hour to run an extension cord for you. And I found yeah. out you really don't want to run it without those guys because they'll come after you. And, oh, yeah. you know, but it was, um, you know, there were a lot of expenses and as a very, very, very small business, it, we couldn't, stay, you know, it, you had to watch all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you're a conglomerate rolling it up into the, you know, the margin error of the petty, petty account somewhere like it like it is in a, in a smaller business that's doing it but um yeah those trade shows i've done a few in chicago with companies before and yeah you don't mess around you don't mess around no. with and just plug something in yourself that's for sure yeah. so you you're there you're flying all over i mean you you had to have i mean you had to be on the road a lot well you know we were talking before this let me bring up this camera so um I just got in this habit of throwing, you know, the hotel room cards into my bag when I got done and I left and I just throw them in a box. And one day I started stacking them all up and I looked at, you know, this pile of cards that I've got <laughs> in here. You know, these are all room cards and yeah. those card, you know, those card keys, that wasn't just one night. I mean, in some cases I was staying at a place four or five nights. Yeah. So, yeah. I spent a lot of time. I was I had gold status on a couple of different airlines. Uh, you know, when you get it, like with Alaska, yeah, you kind of like the, you know, you sit down. And uh, I always liked when they would come down the aisle, though, and they'd go, uh, you know, thank you for flying with us, Mr. And, you know, they're looking at my last name. <laughs> you yeah, see yeah. that. Then they go, yeah. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. But, yeah. um, you know, there's... The glamour wears off at some point. Oh yeah, being yeah. on the road all the time. Yeah, I had a couple of years like that where I was platinum on on well the old airlines now because it was before us and thankfully it was a long time ago. But yeah, you, just because you get a set in front doesn't make the flying every single day of the year any better. Uh, you know, that's for sure. what one of the things that really hit me is you know before we got started today we were talking about some of the yard projects I've been working on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife and I were driving the my Suburban with our trailer behind it down to go pick up some bark. And when we come over the hill on the top of the Kent Hill there, you look across, you can see planes taking off from the SeaTac airport. And it was a Sunday afternoon. And I could feel this tension in my chest of, you know, how many times had I been make, you know, driven and it would be a Sunday and I'd look at that and think, oh, I got to get on the plane. You know, I've got to 6 a.m. flight tomorrow morning and yeah. I got to make sure I check in. I got to think about waking up on time. I got to get to the airport and park. I got to get through security. And it was kind of strange to see that and think, you know, I'm doing a class this week, but we're doing it online. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not, I don't have to do, I don't have to get on that airplane. I don't have to worry about, 
I, I've gotten to Boston, you know, no cars. It's like, yeah. really, how do you run out of cars? And didn't yeah. I have a reservation? I feel like Steve Martin and Planes, Trains. I had a reservation. Yeah. Well, isn't that the point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's just a, a golly. It's in, in the global travel that you did. I'm sure that's just a smattering of what can happen when you're trying to move. Cause you also had to move your equipment ahead of you. It had to be there ready to go. And sometimes I'm sure it was, you were coming in the, the you know, the day before and you needed that equipment the next day and tough deal. Well, you know, and that's where uh, one of the, the women that works for me, Uta, or, you know, sometimes I wonder who works for who, but Uta and I've worked in California together. We've known each other for a very long time. And she is one of the most uh, uh, procedurally driven people I've ever met. And I mean, she does things a particular way and she just, and so when we knew that we were going to have to start shipping all this equipment and make sure that we had people signed up for the classes and that the hotels and all that, uh, it just so happened that Uta called me and we had worked together before. And she said, you know, I'm changing jobs. Can I use you as a reference? I said, absolutely. I'll tell them you're the worst employee I ever had. And she said, why would you say that? And I said, because you have to come work for me. And so yeah. she came to work for me. Uh, if they, one of the local news stations did a little uh, bit on her, uh, she runs basically a hospice for animals with the uh, South King County uh, Humane yeah. Society. And she knits hats for kids that are uh, Mary Bridge for kids that have cancer. So she does all these great things. But her superpower over the years has been making sure that our equipment ended up exactly where our equipment needed to be. And I know what my strengths are and I know what my weaknesses are and make and that making sure that everything is lined up like that is really not my strength. And so having Uta there to keep an eye on all that. And also somebody that when somebody needs to get a hold of me, they always know that they can contact her and she'll get a hold of me and we can make whatever needs to happen happen. Yeah, because that's kind of like if she calls you, it's the red phone. It's the yeah. number you answer. <laughs> 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 There was a hotel and they, they the hotel front desk person came in. They said, hey, Uta called. You need to make sure to get this equipment out to the front desk before three o'clock. And I said, hey, look, I'm trying to get it all together. I said, you call Uta and tell her just to hold on. He goes, I'm not calling her. <laughs> he said, you can call her. <laughs> she made it pretty clear the equipment had to be out there at three o'clock. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So here we go. You're, you're, you're running down. You've been doing this. You're traveling. And, and then all of a sudden, you you started to think about virtual training before COVID, right? You were, you oh, were yeah. thinking about it ahead of that? In fact, I was. Uh, I went down to do a class blend. And, you know, we had, well, one of the things was it had a lot to do with the different salespeople we were working with. Some of the uh, classes, I go do the class and I somebody would say, I'd say, so what brought you here? And they said, well, you know, Peter told me I had to be here. So Peter back in the Kansas city area, he would fill these classes up. And what he knew was that when we did the classes, it usually resulted in sales. It, when people saw how to use the equipment properly, they went back and they knew what they needed to buy to be most efficient in what they were doing. But as time went on, it was getting harder and harder to get people to come into the class. And I looked at what was the overhead? You know, there's this two thirds of the cost of the class was shipping equipment and hotel and all that. 
And the one that really got me was we went to do a class in Portland and I get there and there's one person in the room. So mm-hmm. I had pulled all this equipment down and that person worked for a company that they had a, a warehouse in Longview. So I said for the next day, I go, so why don't we just go to your company and just do the training? You know, you and I will work on your network and do the training because it's just the two of us. But that's when it really hit me that, uh, you know, we need to get not everybody within a particular area is ready to get the training, but people throughout the country and the world need the training as soon as possible. So by doing these classes in the hotel rooms and so on, it was it was nice. I, I missed the, you know, seeing a person when mm-hmm. I'm training because I could look around the room and I could see when I answered that question, even if they didn't know they had it. I answered that question that they they needed the answer to. And everybody always had one. And you yeah, can yeah. see that that look on their face. It's like, that's it. That's what I needed to know. And I joked I should have a little flag I can set in front of you and say, okay, Damon, I answered your question. You know, and finally at the end of the week, get down to that last person, you know, what is it you need to know? And yeah. but um so it's so I started looking at, you know, how could we offer training in such a way that if you bought a piece of equipment, you could get trained within a month, two months, and be using that properly. And that really, there's no way to accomplish that by traveling around and doing it. Mm -hmm. And companies really don't want to fly their people in to have them do it. So I talked to the company I was working with and I said, you know, why don't we try doing this online? And we did it online and we went from having six people show up for an in-person class to having 70 people sign up for the class and 35 people show up. And wow. these, that particular class is offered for free to the customer. So there's no obligation to show up. Yeah. And that's good. So that's a good result. Now we're getting 35 people. And what yeah. it allowed me to do is I did some classes on European time. So I'd go to bed like at 6 p.m., yeah. get up at 12.30 a.m., yeah. uh, come out, I built. So I the, it all started out, you know, I sit at my desk doing it. And then uh, I made some space out in my workshop, put up a green screen, started doing it out here. And then uh, a couple years ago before COVID, my wife said, yeah, you know what? You got to step it up a bit. So. We took and cleared out the workshop. I built a, just a little stage on two, you know, about two by four high, carpeted it. Uh, we've got a grid up in the ceiling that's made out of uh, inch and a half PVC pipe that we've got all the lights, cameras, uh, the you know, speakers, microphones, everything hanging from, and started getting it set up. So now I can walk out here. Uh, you know, as you saw with that one camera, we've got a, you know, I've got a multi-camera setup going. Yeah. So now when I go in and show somebody how to do something, uh, you know, we can show that piece of equipment and, you know, we can zoom in on, you know, a, that piece of equipment, show exactly, you know, what's going on with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. That's something. Because if, as, a, as a technical person, I mean, that they, well, first of all, companies may not want to send them. But second of all, they they can 
they don't probably need that interaction one-on-one with you in in the class setting. It's probably just as effective for them to see how it's done because they're sitting there with their own piece of equipment in their own place and they're doing it on their their stuff, which yep. makes it even better. Now, the OptiViews that are on the top shelf back there, one of the things that we found with those is 26 people can access that at the same time. So what we do is we set up a couple of them and we send out an email to folks and we say, hey, before class, download this software and then we can figure it up so that they can access our testers through the Internet. Because what I found is these things work so well through the Internet that when I would travel overseas, I would leave them here and we would all remotely access them. So I didn't have to try and carry them through customs and I could reduce the amount of equipment. So now everybody is accessing the same thing. And that was, that's been a big important component of this has been that we have the ability for them to click on things and look in there, but we can add some structure to it where the database I have on there, I know that database. It's not whatever their network happened to discover. So now we can say, let's go find this. Let's go do this. And these are, and the exercises that we do apply for both the equipment that we have, and they can take it back and do those same exercises on their own network. Yeah. Yeah. So a big part of our business has been doing certification training for Fluke Networks. And this tester that I just brought up here, um, when you have a copper or fiber network installed, this is probably the premier tester out there for going well not probably it is the premier tester out there for going out and certifying that and we just did a webcast this morning on power over ethernet so if i'm powering access points uh lighting cameras all kinds of telephones i need to make sure that that cable is going to support it when i'm running high data rate you know applications across i need to make sure it's going to support it So what we do is we certify people on how to use that equipment to certify it. Well, for 12 years, 10 10 years, I had a guy, Dave, that traveled around and did these classes on site, traveled to different cities and did the the training. And we had uh, six Pelican cases weighing about 60 pounds each. So about 360 pounds of equipment that we were shipping all over the country. And it was good because people got to do hands-on training. So two years ago, I started thinking, you know, what can we do online with this? And it just so happened that coincided with when I had a couple of wisdom teeth pulled out. And, you know, at mid-50s, getting your wisdom teeth pulled out isn't really as fun as any other time in your life, I guess, unless you're 60 getting it done. (laughs) So uh, I had a little bit of downtime. And I started looking at, could I do to remotely access these testers? So I found an add-in, a guacamole module, or not guacamole, an Apache module called guacamole. And what guacamole allows me to do is create a web browser interface for these testers. And each person can access a tester. So I have a pool of testers that they access. And I can see the screens of the testers. So I can see what they're doing. They can follow through and do the hands-on exercises. So we were able to take that hands-on that they were doing in the classroom 
And we were able to allow them to do that with a browser. And in fact, what it turns out is their phone, because it's got you know close to the same size display, works great. They can get to it with their phone. So now they wow. see a video of me. They see the PowerPoint presentation. They see they've got a tester that they're using. So they're able to push all the buttons and do all that. And then we just put test results on there that they can review. Wow. Wow. So that, so you've been able to basically teach these people remotely and, and give them the same, relatively the same experience of using the equipment themselves uh, virtually. Yes. Now there's a few yeah. things with the fiber that we found. And one of the things that we encourage is go back and you need to go back and practice this. This is one of those things that, you know, I, I, I lived up by Yosemite for about five or six years and I was on a volunteer fire department up there. And I'll tell you what a, what a fun opportunity, but what we would do is we'd take the trucks out and pull everything out. And for lack of a better term, you know, play with it, yeah. put the hoses yeah. up, take the jaws of life and people would donate cars and we'd chop them up. Yeah. But anytime we're, you know, it, whenever we're doing something, we need to work on mastering it and we need to practice. And so even if you come to a class and you do it once in class, that gives you an introduction. But it is one of those things where you have to keep doing it and you have to make that time to say, you know what, I'm going to go try this or I'm going to do this. And it's the people that do those things that really tend to excel in a field because they're understanding what can go wrong, how to overcome that. And they don't get out on the job and all of a sudden find out that, you know, they forgot a part or something like that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I encourage them to go practice, you know, with their own equipment. Yeah. And, you know, they can log in, they can go through exercises on this equipment. And I, one of the things that I found with online training that I didn't really think about, but has been a, a really good part of it is when you're in a classroom full of people and we do classes where we may do a, a class that's company specific mm -hmm. and we may do a class that's public. Like the one I did this week, we had people from all over the country and actually a few people from elsewhere in the world joining in. And People get worried that they're asking a question that everybody else knows the answer to. Yeah. I've learned, I just, ignore, I mean, I, I've spent most of my time over the last 20 some odd years up talking in front of groups and I am sure I am wrong on a whole bunch of stuff, but I try and figure it out. I try not to be wrong. And if somebody corrects me, Hey, that's great. You know, let's, I know better now, yeah. but most people, you know, they don't want to ask a question that's going to make them look stupid. Yes. And what they don't realize is not asking the questions, not, you know, not asking the questions, the worst thing. Yeah. So by having a chat window where people can send messages directly to me, what I've discovered is people will ask questions that they wouldn't ask in a group of people. And especially within an organization, because oftentimes within organizations, we find that there's somebody that is viewed as the expert mm -hmm. and, and they want to show that they're the expert. And so they're going to ask leading questions that they know the answer to. They're going to try and ask a question to, to trip up, you know, stump the chump, trip up the instructor. Yeah. 
But from a classroom management standpoint and making sure everybody gets the best information that they need, I've really found that with the online training, it's given us this ability to uh, allow people to ask questions without that fear of looking stupid. Yeah. Well, that's that's a big benefit because those those questions are the ones that need to be asked that don't get absolutely. Asked. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's something. Another part of it is, you know, I've got racks of equipment. I've got drawers, uh, cabinets full of test equipment. So if I'm traveling, I can only carry so much with me. And if I'm paying for every ounce of material yeah. that's getting shipped, I'm very conscientious of what I'm taking. Uh, we had somebody in the class yesterday ask about, you know, hooking up different types of fiber. And I said, you know what, after we get done with class, because they take a test after class, I always like to make sure they get started on that on time. I said, well, you're starting the test. Let's go check this out. So I started grabbing parts off the shelf and we put together a little science fair experiment to, to test that out. And that's not the kind of thing that we would really be able to do in a, in a you know, hotel conference room or something because yeah. we wouldn't have that equipment with us. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't have the equipment. You wouldn't have the, yeah, just none of it. You wouldn't have like you can do there. You can simulate things that they might have questions around. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. So what do you miss about the, about the in-person training other than being with people? Like uh, I, I, first off, I, I miss, you know, talking to people and I, I miss the interaction that we see between the students because oftentimes uh, when we take a break or something you see a, a tremendous amount of exchange between people in the class. And there have been classes where people have done a good job within Zoom of realizing that they can send a message to all the attendees. And you'll see, you know, from time to time, conversations start picking up where people are going back and forth within class in a good way, you know, not yeah, picking yeah. at each other or anything. So that is, that's a big one. And in fact, lunchtime was probably one of those times where, uh, you know, people lightened up quite a bit. And, you know, mm -hmm. there was some uh, exchange of information. So on my website, you know, we've put a, a discussion board. We're still trying to get that, you know, some momentum behind that. But getting people to share some information in there. Um, I miss I miss going to places. I, I've been to, I, I went to a steel plant in uh, Mobile, Alabama, or Montgomery, Alabama, Mobile, Alabama that uh, makes sheet steel and they'd bring in these big blocks from and from Germany, 50,000 pound blocks of steel, heat them up for a, week, a day and then roll them out into sheet metal. Wow. And I love that. I mean, I love oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. I went to a plant having been on the fire department. So they made pumps for fire trucks. They made fire hydrants. They, um, I've been to nuclear power plants. I've been to, you know, all these places that, you know, there's a network and they need yeah. somebody to, you know, connect them up or troubleshoot their problem. So I've gotten to the opportunity to get out and see some pretty cool places. Yeah. I, I can tell you, I probably would not have been in Manila had I, uh, you know, not been doing this type of work. And yeah. I don't know if they've got these things called jeepneys down there. And they took yeah. surplus jeeps and stretched them out. And that's, you know, buses. So all those kinds of things, yeah. wouldn't have seen it had I not yeah. 
not had the chance to get out and do the traveling. Yeah, that is that is cool, and it, it is the interesting places that you've gotten to visit because of it. Because most people don't realize that a a facility like that or or something is is just one big data center really when you look at any of those that you mentioned just the information if you if you did nothing more than the computers that are spread around in one of those places there's a lot of data moving but then when you think about all the monitoring systems and everything that have yep. to that have to use move that data around uh, and then when you look at the chemical processing and some of the other kinds of food processing where you've got continuous flow uh, you know, you just look at anything. You look at making potato chips, French fries. You look at, you know, making a chemical of some sort. Even in a small, you know, 40,000 square foot facility, you can have a, a very complex network system that oh. that has to run flawlessly if you want to make good product or if you want to keep people safe and everything else. Well, and that's, you know, a lot of these organizations we went into, uh, there was zero downtime. Yeah. I mean, there, it yeah. wasn't that we could take a switch down or a router yeah. down for a period yeah. of time. I mean, they were up, a, they had to be up 100% of the time. And, and so a problem became, becomes critical very quickly. And that's, I remember early on in my career, I went to a paper mill in Southern Georgia and yeah. the mill was shut down because they could not download the jobs. And so we started digging around and I found that it was a cable that had been put, pinched underneath a floor tile. And we pulled the cable wow. out, we replaced it. All of a sudden, they were able to log in, start running jobs again. And, and so it's those types of things that can shut an organization down. And, and this has kind of been the balance of, you know, going out and doing troubleshooting jobs is always fun. Yeah. But one of the challenges is it becomes like being a fire department. You know, you don't want, you can't schedule, you know, you're not going to schedule yes. a, a heart attack or something. Yeah. So you don't know when you're going to have it and you need resources available that are capable of taking care of that problem immediately when it does happen. Yeah. And so for a small organization, from a scheduling standpoint, it's very difficult to have a group of highly talented people around that are waiting for a problem to occur. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a movie that my my oldest son really enjoyed. And I, I saw Hell Fighters with John Wayne. And, you know, they run around putting out oil well fires. Well, they've got all this equipment. You have to have enough oil well fires to keep all those people employed and, yeah. you know, be able to purchase that equipment. So what we found was that, you know, training goes a long ways toward preventing those problems. Yes. Making sure people are properly trained on the equipment and capable of using that equipment, just buying it, putting it on the shelf, isn't going to help you. You got to be able to know how to use it when the, yeah. and you have to continually use it. And that's where one of the things that we found with online training was, you know, when I first started my career, we were doing these five day classes. And you could see like gray matter pouring out of people's ears by day three. Yes. It's just information overload. So one of the things that we found is that when we do training and I, I do for even companies here in Seattle, we do it, you know, do a, quite a bit of remote training where we will do iterative training every month. We'll do a few hours. Yeah. And they can bring their problems in. 
And when it's their problem, it means a lot. You know, it means that much more to them than a problem I make up. Yeah. We work on that problem. We solve it. They build their skills a little bit. They take that back. They apply it. Then they come back the next month. And yeah. we go in and we do a little more training and we do a little more training and they're able to bring questions in and we're able to experiment with things and work on getting things better and better. Wow. You really become part of their, their overall improvement process by addressing those problems and then helping them resolve them and, and use the equipment better ultimately, but it is to resolve their problems and make things work better. Exactly. Yep. And what's kind of fun is when I can when I can get into the role of sitting back and being almost more of a mentor yeah. and sitting back and saying, you know, I want you to go work on this. So one of the things is I'm always looking at, you know, how can we push this forward a little bit more? And this friend of mine that I, I borrowed this Kubota from while we were redoing our yard, his son has gotten involved in doing 360 video. Yeah. So they just, they shot a, they did a video for um, Washington state department of health and to, to give this, the staff at a facility an idea of what it, what the, what it's like from the patient's perspective. Yeah. And they shot it in 360 video. And so they use a VR headset. They actually send these VR headsets out yeah. and the people put them on and they're immersed in that. So what I did was I figured out how I could load Zoom on here. So now when I'm working with some of these clients and we've got a Zoom meeting and it's really less on video on me, but them showing me, I can put this on and join the Zoom meeting. And I'm looking at an entire wall of their network traffic. I can see a video of them. So I can sit back in the chair here and be sitting back watching their environment. And in fact, on um, some of these testers back here, we have cameras. So we can send somebody out in the field and say, hey, go out to this wiring closet and, yeah. and show me that server right over the, you know, to, to your right. And they can move the camera over there. Wow. Uh, there's a company called Realware that um, I got to play around with a little bit of their equipment. They have a head-mounted Android device that has a camera, has a head-mounted display. And so the idea is that you can look right over the shoulder of the yeah. person that's doing the work. So now, yeah. if I'm not sitting on an airplane or in a hotel room, if I can do a training class where I can come out here, I can do the class, yeah. but either after class, the day before, uh, I, can, I can work with somebody. Now I'm taking yeah. that time that I normally would have been sitting on an airplane or traveling yeah. and I can make better use of that time in working with clients. Yeah. So that's the other big piece of it is there, when you're traveling, there is a tremendous amount of lost time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, and, and I didn't travel, travel nearly like you did, but in, in one of my heavy travel years, I figured it out that I spent over 90 days in the plane, time in the plane. When you look at how much flight time you have, you're on a plane and 
And when people are, are on, and, and the other thing that if people, if you don't travel a lot, you don't understand business travelers until you're one of them. And you're like the, the, you know, the sheep going into the, into the <laughs> pen, into the trout, into the plane on Monday morning and, and back on Thursday or Friday, because the people in first class are usually pulling out a laptop, getting their stuff and starting to work because that's their office for part of the year. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That, that's always been a hard one for I, as much as I would love to be able to work on the plane. I just, it was always hard because at the, after I've been teaching all day and you get to the airport yeah. and you get on the plane, it's like, eh, I just want to sleep or I want to watch a movie or, you know, and that's yeah. where actually having these, I thought oh, I could watch a movie and, you know, yeah. just be immersed in my own little world. <laughs> but it's, um, then you get the person next to you that wants to talk. And yeah, I, I mean, I love to talk, but I became very antisocial on the plane. It's like yeah. I put on my, my Bose QC 15s yep. and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, how many people I've, I, I had to get new ear pads. I wore the ear pads off of my Bose headphones. Oh, wow. Wow. But yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I remember watching up in the air with George Clooney. Yeah. And things hitting way, way too close to home. Yeah. And yeah. it's, um, so I think that by doing this one, even, I mean, what I do is we start the class like this, this month, we do the start the class on a West Coast start time, and next month we'll start on an East Coast start time. So we start at five a.m. Yeah. But I'll tell you, if I fly to the East Coast and I have to get there, get to the hotel, then wake up at you know not five a.m. but you know four a.m. Yeah. West Coast time. Yeah. There's there's that jet lag in there. Yeah. Well, if you get out of if I get out of bed and have breakfast, make some coffee, and come out here to do the class, it's not as bad. Yeah. And I can do that day after day after day. So it's I think I I do a better job on that first morning. Yeah. Because I didn't have that travel day before as well. Yeah. So that's that's cool because it it is you know when when we look at and we talk about you know, COVID and all the remote and all this other junk, there's, there's a lot of people that, that are, you know, are really like the remote work and a lot of people really poo poo the remote, you know, there's a lot of different around it, but really technology is enabling us to do so much more remotely that it's hard to deny that this is going to, that remote work or remote training like this is going to be effective because I've thought a lot as you talk about um, uh, augmented reality and I'm, I'm, you know, I've spent time in the oil fields. I've spent time in a lot of different places looking at work. And I think about, think about, okay, I'm in the middle of nowhere in an oil field and I've got a, I've got a, uh, a bulldozer that doesn't work for some reason. And am I going to wait 14 hours for the, for the technician or four days for the technician to come out? Or do I put that Android device on, like you're saying, that looks at the thing and my technician back at Caterpillar, where, yes. you, where you yep. probably want the, the smartest person in the room to help you, that they're on the phone with the, with the guy that knows what 
this end of a wrench looks like and can fix things, but it's not a, not an expert says, this is what you do. And the augmented reality part of it can even be overlaying diagrams and junk like that. And you, you think about what this could really, how it can change the way that we work in a positive manner and to help, you know, really everyone be able to do their jobs better. It's, it's phenomenal. Well, and how many, and, and that's one of the things that we point out with these, like the fluke analyzers and the net ally analyzers and the net scout analyzers that we work with is that they do have the ability to remotely, somebody can view the screen. Yeah. And so that whole idea of that, that I could be out there, we can take an entry level person and have yeah. them out in the field and we could set it up so that I could jump right over their shoulder and be looking at what they're doing. And now they can get that information. So that guy at CAT that uh, is helping, we can have that that person has all that knowledge. How many people can he help in a day or she can help? Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, and that's one of the things is we if when we have that that person sitting on an airplane, we are misusing, we're not underutilizing that resource. Mm-hmm. And and so and we're burning that resource out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, they don't last, you don't last years and years and years on, on, and those kind of things. And, and you are right. And even, I even go back to when I was running manufacturing plants and you'd have CNC machines or you would have, you know, lasers that were cutting metal and those kind of higher dollar machines and those technicians that, that had to fix those, they were flying and they were on the road all the time. And if they could be more, you know, you figure out the way to remotely do even a portion of that. It's a huge savings on on everyone because oftentimes they're in Elgin, Illinois, and you need them in in New in New Mexico tomorrow, and they're not going to be done for two days. But if you got a if you got a problem that's really simple that they could diagnose and say, okay, get these pieces coming, and when I get there, we're going to fix it or show them how to fix it without it. This is everybody wins. Everybody wins. And the other part of that is that you can't develop that knowledge without experience. Yes. And so, so it's, it's, you know, am I never going to travel again? No, absolutely. I will travel. I will travel again. Yeah. Am I going to travel like I did before? No. And it's, you know, you have to get that experience. You have to go out and work on the problems. Yes. But also, I mean, I just, I'm waiting for a shipment of fiber, you know, that I ordered today or you, or a few days ago to come in today. Uh, you know, we've got these little splitters that, you know, that are used for fiber to the home. Well, we talk about them, but I, I go out and buy that stuff. And I take time when I'm not teaching, developing material to set up tests, to try things out. And that's that's part of what is important for me to do is to constantly be pushing my abilities forward. And yeah. again, can I do that when I'm sitting on an airplane? It's a lot harder. I'm a very hands-on, got to do it kind of person. So yeah. me spending time out building some little experiment that then I can record and make a video out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the other part is, realizing what is it that we can create a video YouTube video. I do these really short how to's because when I look at my stats on YouTube, most people watch, you know, two minutes. 
maybe mm-hmm. five minutes, maybe, you know, if it's really good, the first seven. Yeah. And that's, that's where having live training becomes really important is I'll look at, you know, if we do a webcast, people stay on, people yeah. stay on for four hours, you know, for mm-hmm. some of these, that we, these trainings that we do, they're free. Doesn't cost them anything. They could leave any time. But, you know, we have to, I have to be engaging enough. I have to show them enough things that they're going, oh, well, this might stay. But if we watch it, how long somebody watches that same video on YouTube, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and so I, we don't want to go all the way to where we just record everything and say, hey, just watch. Yeah. No, no. I think you're right. And you have to, you have to get it in, in the, the short, they have to be short, impactful and doing like that. But um, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an interesting look at it too, is that the live stream and the people will stay on for hours and hours and you're right. It still has to be interesting. You still have to do it. So you have, you have work in, in different ways with video than you do in person. That's for sure. And, you you know, well, I mean, we were talking before, we got going with this, just how you split all that up. There's some people that want to hear it in audio. There's some mm-hmm. people that may end up listening to this, uh, you know, uh, through headphones. And that's one reason why, you know, when I first started doing this, having a good microphone, yes. right? having good yes. audio, because not everyone's going to watch it. And boy, you can lose people, uh, good internet. You know, it, yeah. everything's got to, the video's got to be good. The audio's got to be good. Uh, we watching TV, we have very high expectations. Now, one yeah. of the things that we're looking, I'm looking at, you know, how do we roll it in is I've got companies, you know, here in the Seattle area that are more than happy to let me come out and play at their facilities, you know, do some yeah. testing. So what I'm starting to do is bring that video camera in there with me where I'm allowed and yeah. record things out in the field. So instead of it all being me standing up here talking, we yeah. can interleave some, you know, a video. And uh, we joined in. Uh, Rick Steves does a yeah. uh, a little thing from up there in Edmonds uh, every Monday. And we sat in on the one that he did this week. And a good portion of it was him playing YouTube segment, you know, segments that they had recorded in various countries and then talking about them. Yeah. And, and that turns out to be a pretty good way to deliver some of that. Yeah, I'm writing that down. Yep, yep. I've got some more ideas on this. Well, you know, Mike, it's it's just awesome sitting here to get to talk to you about this because I, I mean, from watching you build out your studio to talking about it, I still have my my. I'm still feel like I'm a lighting doofus here because my lighting <laughs> makes me look all. I mean, I'm I'm pale, but I'm not this pale. But uh, uh, it's it's just so cool to hear how you've taken this and built the technology around doing it, and then you're weaving. Uh, things like you were just talking about, actual video, helping people troubleshoot their own problems and and how you're transitioning it into something that actually is better for the end user by giving a more personalized approach. Yes, yes. The and, tricky part is that, you know, they're, they're, that COVID gave us an opera, gave us a big kick, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And luckily... We were we were already ready. I mean, this was when it came to doing it remotely. Uh, we were working on doing it before this happened. Yeah. Um, 
you know, people talk about getting back to normal. People talk about, you know, never getting back. There's going to be, we're going to find something in the middle. Uh, yeah. What was it? Uh, one of the banks or one of the investment companies, the CEO came on and said, <laughs> everyone's going to be back by September. We're paying yeah. for office space in New York. Uh, yeah. You are making a New York salary. You're going to be back in New York. And I, you know, they understand that on a case by case basis that needs to be adjusted. And some people, I think, you know, that that hands on in person learning cannot be beat. And that is yeah. something we'll always address yeah. and take care of. I think that I can guarantee you that if you buy one of these testers within three, four weeks of buying the tester, I can get you trained. You yeah. don't have to wait for me to come to, you know, um, you know, to some city in uh, in uh, New York or something to do the class. Yeah, four weeks. We're doing yeah. a class. Yeah, and yeah, and so, uh, yeah, it all depends on what you're looking for and, yeah. and maintaining a balance of that. Yeah, and I, I look at I mean, when you look at this kind of what I believe will be, and that's that's kind of extreme back to the way it was. Everybody coming to work. I look at someone like you, you look at a large company and we see them here in Amazon or Microsoft or something like this. If I was them, I would figure out how to get a hybrid workspace, you know, work week environment and drop down to, you know, two days, one week, three days, the next week, something like that. People sharing spots where you, you, you slide in, you and I have a spot we share. We know each other. We, we, you know, maybe one day a month we're in there together, but just kind of high-fiving and stuff. <laughs> And, and, you know, and just think what you could do on a company like that in, in square footage that you need to use in an annual basis. And then you go, not just that, but you look at if companies are trying to get environmental, take your workforce off the road three days a week. And what would oh. that do? Yeah. Yeah. Live it, live it here. So, so look at somebody really wants to go green, right? You yep. got to go green. And I've got, I've got half a million people working for me across the world. I just cut my, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to work uh, in so many days a year and you figure, okay, so many of those people drive their own car. And then you look at a place like here in Seattle, how much would it be if you took one third of the people off the road every day? This, this is the, the impact of this thing overall globally would be insane. Well, and then there's all those things. We were just, uh, uh, Jennifer and I were just talking to somebody about, um, you know, that they said, hey, you know, it used to be when I took a break at work, I'd go, you know, maybe go walk around the building or I'd go talk to somebody in their cube. Now, when I'm working from home and I go to take a break, I might go throw the laundry in yeah. or it's dry right now. I'm going to run out and mow the lawn. Yeah. And and so I'm going to come back. I'm still going to get the work done. Yeah. And I'm using that break. So and then at the end of the day, you're not thinking, oh, man. I got to get that laundry done. I got to yeah. do this. I got to do that. And so, but not every, just like not everyone learns the same, not everyone works the same. Exactly. And, and there are a lot of folks that, that really want that structure. I go in, there yeah. are folks that that time in the car, I, I would rather, I've, I've said for the last 25 years, I would rather get on an airplane, fly somewhere, stay in the hotel where I'm teaching, walk down, do that than sit in traffic. I, yeah. I commuted for a while. Uh, it just, it yeah. sucks the soul out of me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it is. Yeah. 
And because I would see there'd be that guy that would come zipping up on, you know, you'd be in the right lane waiting to, I I lived south of, uh, you know, down by Federal Way. You'd be sitting there waiting to get off on 405. And then there'd be the same guy every morning would act like he didn't even know that, you know, that was where the turn was. And then he'd get up to the front and cut in front of everyone. It's like, you, you do this every morning. Yeah. And, and so it just, uh, so. yeah, that, that traffic, getting rid of it, I think it'd be good. We'll see what happens. But, you know, Mike, it's been great to have it, having you online. And the, um, ha- if people want to get a hold of you, want to look up your training, where, where should they go? So, where they should go is if they're interested in the training that we do on the fluke equipment, it's called the Certified Cable Test Technician. So, it's cctttraining.com is that one. So, there's three T's in the middle. And then uh, my company website is nps-llc.com. And unfortunately, the National uh, National Park Service had grabbed NPS when I started the business. (laughs) Yeah, they had gov and they eventually let go of .com. But it's nps-llc.com, and that's my website. And awesome. uh, we got links to videos and things like that out there, and you can look up. Awesome. And on YouTube, what's your what's your channel on YouTube? Uh, Mike Pinocchi. Mike Pinocchi. Awesome, yep. man. Oh, no, awesome. let's see. YouTube YouTube is Packet Analyzer. That's Packet uh, Analyzer. There yep. we go. There we go. So we got that. So if they want to go out and look at your your uh, network analyzer videos and the things like you have there, it's a packet analyzer on YouTube and yep. S- NPS hyphen LLC for yours. And yep. your training is uh, CC two T's and then training.com. Yep. Yep. Awesome. And that's where we, we do all of our fluke certification training. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here today, Mike. It's been awesome talking to you and, you know, still in awe of the, of the studio that you've built for, for this training. It's awesome. And I'm, I can't wait to see the next time get to see the upgrades and everything else that's going on in your VR headset. And next time. Well, that's, yeah. you know, putting a 180 degree camera in, right? So I oh, want people wow. to feel like they're right here. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff, man. Well, thanks. And thanks everyone for listening to us on the Faces of Business. Hope you enjoyed this. Come back again next week. We're going to have some more awesome guests talking about just interesting stuff and uh, we'll come back. Thanks a lot. Bye everyone.